Right, Psalm 75 uh, on page 588 in the Church Bible. We praise you, God. We praise you, for your name is near. People tell of your wonderful deeds. You say, I choose the appointed time. It is I who judges with equity. When the earth and all its people quake, it is I who hold its pillars firm. To the arrogant, I say, boast no more. And to the wicked, do not lift up your horns. Do not lift up your horns against heaven. Do not speak so defiantly. No one from the east or the west or from the desert can exalt themselves. It is God who judges. He brings one down, he exalts another. In the hand of the Lord is a cup full of foaming wine mixed with spices. He pours it out and all the wicked of the earth drink it down to its very dregs. As for me, I will declare this forever. I will sing praise to the God of Jacob, who says, I will cut off the horns of all the wicked, but the horns of the righteous shall be lifted up. Thank you very much. Let's pray. Uh, keep your Bibles open. We'll look at Psalm 75. But let's pray first. Father God, we, we do praise you. Uh, your deeds are wonderful. And so tonight, I pray that as we study your word together, as we think about some of your wonderful deeds, that you would cause us to have great joy and great confidence in you uh, and the things that you have done for us. We thank you that you are a judge. Lord, teach us uh, the joy and the good news that comes from that. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, sometimes it feels very much that life is not fair. Um, I wonder... If you've ever been found saying, it's not fair. It has been known in our house, uh, for, for some of the children, of course, to declare that something is not fair. It's not fair. I want to go in the front of the car. And she went in yesterday, and now she's in again today. She had a five-minute journey yesterday, and now it's an hour today. It's not fair. Things seem quite unjust, perhaps. But it's not just children sitting in the front of the car and, and things like that. We, we've all been through situations where it just seems that life's not fair. And often as we look around at the world, uh, we see all sorts of injustice, quite severe injustice taking place. Whether we look at some of the, the horror stories coming out of the, the, the war in Ukraine, or whether we think about some of the, the horror stories of, of human traffickers, there is injustice all over the world. And so life's not fair. Things can seem quite unjust. And we might even sometimes be tempted to suggest that God is not fair or that he doesn't care about this injustice. But this psalm actually tells us otherwise. In fact, everything about this psalm, which declares that God is a judge, uh, everything about this psalm should lead us to praising him, not accusing him. Because his deeds, uh, verse 1, including his judgments, his deeds are wonderful. So let's see what comfort there is in knowing God to be a judge. Well, firstly, uh, this psalm tells us that God the judge is in control. The judge is in control. So it can be tempting to think sometimes that God is 
either powerless to deal with injustice in the world, to deal with evil in the world, or, or sometimes people are tempted to think he just doesn't care. Uh, and maybe one of the reasons for that is that sometimes we expect God to deal with the problem immediately. Uh, but if we look at verse 2, uh, we're told that God is in control of the timing of his judgment. Uh, he says, you say, I choose the appointed time. It is I who judge with equity. God is in control of the timing of his judgment. It's a, a timely judgment. Who is it that's in charge when it comes to judging evil? Who's responsible? Who is the judge? Well, it, it's not me, and it's certainly not you. It's God who is responsible for judging wickedness and evil in the world. So maybe some of you are, are feeling very tired of waiting for justice. You see the injustice in the world. Be patient. Hang on in there. God has chosen a time to judge evil and put an end to it. But could it also be that God is merciful? Merciful. He offers grace to people, extending that time, offering people extra time to turn away from their wickedness. Um, maybe, like me, you long for justice to be done. You long uh, for evil to be done away with. That's a good thing. That's a, a good desire to have. But let's also long for repentance for people. Let's long for the wicked to use the time that God has given us to turn away from evil and to turn to him in faith. God's judgment is a timely judgment. And so, although people might want to point the finger at God and accuse him of delaying his judgment and not taking justice seriously, God speaks in this psalm and tells us that he's in charge of the timeline of his judgment. But as well as being a timely judgment, we're told that God's judgments are completely trustworthy as well. It's a trustworthy judgment. Let's look at verse 2 and 3 again. It says, It is I who judge with equity. When the earth and all its people quake, it is I who hold its pillars firm. We're told that God judges justly. He judges with equity. He's not going to be swayed by public opinion. He's uh, not going to be swayed by political influence. He doesn't show favoritism or partiality. He judges justly based on his own perfect and holy character. Now, we human beings sometimes make uh, bad decisions in the, in the heat of the moment, um, sometimes under pressure. We, uh, we make the kind of decisions that we later regret, uh, particularly when life shakes us up and turns us upside down. Our decisions and our, our, even our view of what's right and what's wrong, that can be shaken up as well. But verse 3 tells us that nothing can shake God. Now, we've seen only this week uh, the enormous devastation that an earthquake can bring. You see some of the pictures coming out of Turkey and Syria. But this psalm is trying to tell us that beneath all that sheer power of an earthquake, God is holding things together. Just imagine the devastation if God wasn't holding things firm. And so when everything seems to be all over the place, we know that God is keeping everything firm and steady, which means that when he makes judgments, when he judges people, 
he's not going to be swayed by the same kind of things that would affect our judgment, the kind of things that blow us off course. He's going to give the same judgment today as he would tomorrow, as he would 100 years from now, because even though everything else might be in disarray, God stands firm, and his judgments are trustworthy. So God the judge is in control. That's good news for those of us who feel like the world is out of control for whatever reason. But now let's look at verses 4 to 7, where we see that as part of his judgment, God puts people in their place. He puts people in their place. Now, I'm sure we all know people that we think ought to be brought down a peg or two. Uh, Maybe some names spring to mind, maybe not. But maybe we also know people who we think ought to get more recognition, to be commended and, and lifted up, exalted, as we were singing about earlier. Well, God knows people like that too. It says, he will bring down the wicked and arrogant and lift up the righteous. And so we see that the wicked are brought down. Look at verse 4. To the arrogant, I say, boast no more. And to the wicked, do not lift up your horns. So this is God speaking, and he's speaking to arrogant and wicked people. And he says, don't boast. Don't think you can strut your stuff and pretend you're in control and that you have ultimate power. You might be able to convince the rest of the world that you're powerful, but you're not. He tells them not to lift up their horns, horns being like a symbol of of strength and power, like the, the horns of an ox, the horns of a bull. You don't want to mess with them. And he says, don't ever be tempted to think that you're more powerful or that you're stronger than God, because God puts people in their place. Verse 5 says, do not lift your horns against heaven. Do not speak so defiantly. In a way, don't start your macho posturing, trying to think that you can resist or escape God's judgments. Maybe you know people who think that they don't need God. Uh, Maybe you know people who, who think they can avoid his judgment, who think they're good enough to avoid his judgment who think they're smart enough and maybe that God's a fool. Maybe who think that God is a weakling. Well, these verses warn those people. This may be some of you tonight, I don't know. These verses warn those people that God puts people in their place and that God will bring down the wicked. And so whatever grounds you think you have for boasting, you don't. And it doesn't just tell us not to exalt ourselves. It tells us, uh, from verse 6, it tells us we can't exalt ourselves. Um, And verse 7 tells us that only God can exalt us. Not that we... It's not telling us not to exalt ourselves. It's saying that we can't. So as well as God bringing down the wicked, uh, we see also that he lifts up the righteous. The righteous are lifted up. Verse 7 again, he brings down one and he exalts another. God's in control. And verse 10, uh, I will cut off the horns of all the wicked, but the horns of the righteous shall be lifted up. The most powerful, unjust ruler you can think of has no power if his horns are cut off. And the meekest humblest, righteous Christian that you can think of 
actually becomes strong. So God brings down the wicked and lifts up the righteous. Now, we'd all love to see arrogant and wicked people put in their place. Uh, But for those of us for whom this is a a personal experience, uh, those of us who have known suffering personally, who have known injustice at the hand of wicked and arrogant people, this is good news. Those people that are laid low from injustice, God offers to raise up. That is good news. God cares enough, not just to, to punish wrongdoing, which he does, but to lift up and restore us. And, and so in the words of uh, Psalm 147, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He is a caring judge. But don't assume that God's gentleness and his care mean that he's not capable of giving suitable punishments. Uh, verse 8 tells us that God's judgment is severe. God's judgment is severe. And verse 8 um, gives us a picture of what God's judgment, his anger, his wrath looks like. Uh, it looks like a cup of wine, the cup of God's wrath. The, the cup of God's wrath appears a few times in, in Scripture, and it gives us uh, an image, a picture of what it's like for God to be angry with people. So read verse 8 with me. Uh, in the hand of the Lord is a cup full of foaming wine mixed with spices. He pours it out and all the wicked of the earth drink it down to its very dregs. So he's saying that the, the wrath of God, the cup of God's wrath, is like wine. But it's not the kind of drink that anyone would want to drink. This cup symbolizes God's anger towards sin and towards wicked people. It says it's foaming. And wine doesn't normally foam and froth, but you get some kind of foaming when you're pouring it out. It's fresh and it's kind of coming thick and fast. It's being freshly poured. It's constantly being topped up. This is gushing out and it's foaming up. There's lots of it. And it says it's mixed with spices. Now, we're not thinking of a nice Christmas mulled wine. Uh, People sometimes would mix wine with, with spice of some kind, maybe some sort of drug, to make it strong, to make it more potent, um, and, and to, to make it have its full effect. Sorry, I've just lost my notes. Give me a second. And so this foaming wine mixed with spice tells us that God's cup, that the cup of God's wrath is actually going to have its full effect You might say that this drink, this cup of God's wrath, has been spiked. So there's no escaping its potency. There's lots of it, and it's potent. God's wrath will have its full effect. And so if we look around and get fed up with injustice, with people getting away with stuff, with the state of the world, we can know that God is pouring out his wrath to bring people to justice. And it will have its effect. All the wicked of the earth, it says, uh, will be forced to drink it. There's so much of it that it can be poured out on all the wicked and they will have no choice but to drink it. There's no escaping God's wrath, God's judgment. God is very angry with sin, as are some of us. 
Uh, God is very angry with injustice. Uh, and maybe you think that the image of a, a cup of wrath is, is too clean, um, too nice for some of the wickedness you see in the world. Um, but to truly understand the, the cup of God's wrath and what that means, we need to actually look at, at Jesus. Jesus drank the cup of God's wrath so that we don't have to. Uh, Matthew 26, uh, we read uh, about Jesus in the, the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, verse 39 says, Go in a little farther. He fell with his face to the ground, this is Jesus, and prayed, My Father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Uh, a few verses later, he went away a second time and prayed, My Father, if it's not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. And so as Jesus hung on the cross, as he suffered and died in our place for our sins, he himself was drinking the cup of God's wrath. Jesus knew the full extent of the wrath, of the anger of God towards sinners as he died on the cross. It was Jesus who experienced the justice of God towards sin, even though he had never done anything wrong. It was Jesus who drank the cup of God's wrath so that he could offer us the cup of salvation. Look at the cup of salvation. The really good news for those of us who know we're arrogant, who know we've done wicked things, even for those of us who, who know we've done things that are just a, a little bit naughty, the good news is that the cup of God's wrath can be taken away from us and uh, we can lift high the cup of salvation. Instead, the words from Psalm 116, uh, it says, What shall I return to the Lord for all his goodness to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. So Jesus drank the cup of God's wrath so that we can drink the cup of salvation. And that's one of the things we remember as we share communion together. We, we take a cup, and this is a, a reminder of the, the new covenant in Christ's blood. It's something that gives us joy and life and hope, and uh, we recognize the justice that has been done as we reflect on Christ's sacrifice for us. So God is not shirking his responsibility in bringing justice to the earth. He's completely just in all of this. But the way he does it is by punishing his son Jesus. It's by Jesus suffering the worst injustice of all time. God absolutely will judge the wicked with the full force of the cup of his wrath. But for those of us who are Christians, who trust that Jesus suffered in our place for our sins, we're forgiven and we get to drink the cup of his salvation instead. So very quickly then as we, we close, what, what do we do with all this? Uh, well, in a few moments we're going to have uh, various opportunities to respond to God's words uh, as we sing, as we chat together, as we pray together. But here are some pointers for us all to help us respond to God. Uh, what's our first response? Well, verse 1 and verse 9 uh, tell us it's to declare God's faithfulness and justice, to declare his wrath, to declare his grace and mercy, and to sing praise to him. We praise you, God. We praise you for your name is near. People tell of your wonderful deeds. 
As for me, I will declare this forever. I will sing praise to the God of Jacob. So sometimes we can be a little bit ashamed of the idea that God is a judge, particularly when we're talking about uh, talking to non-Christians. Um, sometimes we're a little bit embarrassed that God judges sin, and we want to maybe shy away from that and reflect on maybe uh, God's love perhaps a bit more. But the truth is you can't separate those two things. Our first response is to declare these things, not to shy away from them, and to actually find great joy and great comfort in them, and to sing praise to him for them. Uh, secondly, uh, we're to know that our place before God actually puts us in our place. So don't be wicked. Don't be arrogant. Don't think that you know better than God. We need to humbly submit to him as the judge of all the earth. We don't want God to put us in our place. We want to get there first. But thirdly, if you've never trusted in Jesus before, maybe you don't even know what that means, uh, if you're not a Christian, then talk to us. Talk to me, talk to Nathan, talk to another Christian here, so that you can know that salvation for yourself, and that the peace and the relief that comes from that. And then finally, when we face difficult circumstances, when the world around us is shaking, maybe literally, maybe figuratively, Let's not be swayed by fear and despair. Let's hold on to that truth that God is in control. He's the one who judges justly and righteously, and that he's the one who lifts up and puts down. Let's pray together, shall we? Father God, we thank you that you are a righteous judge. Lord, there will be some of us maybe many of us, maybe all of us tonight that have experienced injustice of some sort, who look on the world around us and see the, the pain and the suffering that is caused by wicked people and arrogant people and people that are opposed to you. And we wonder what on earth could be done about it. And so we rejoice tonight that we can pray to you, we can bring these things to you, and we can trust your perfect timing. Lord, would you give us patience? Would you help us to long for that day when Christ returns and puts everything right? But would you help us to be patient as well? Help us to value justice, humanly speaking. Help us to, to value the justice that you will bring uh, for all eternity. And Lord, most of all, we, we thank you for the justice that was shown in that great injustice when Jesus died on the cross instead of us. Lord, we, we praise you because we don't have to drink that cup anymore. But we have this cup of salvation, a cup of a new covenant, and we have eternal life and joy with him forever. So Lord, as we continue our service now, as we talk over these things, as we uh, praise you for these things, would you give us great joy? Would you encourage us would you help us to encourage someone else this week who might be feeling the effects of injustice in the world? And may we know your grace and your peace with us. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>